Father, we just come to you tonight, and we know that your word tells us that uh, the the Old Testament scriptures were written for our learning. And Lord, I just pray uh, by the power of your spirit that uh, we would learn uh, what you have for us to learn. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, we're back into uh, the story or the life of Joseph. Uh, We started it a couple of weeks ago in chapter 37. And so the first couple of blanks, we're going to fill in some blanks here. And uh, the first couple are just kind of to remind us uh, what we covered a few weeks ago in in 37. So uh, number one, Joseph was uh, Jacob's favorite son. I mean, he definitely... Uh, favored Joseph. He was the first son of his uh, favorite wife, uh, and uh, he he kind of showed it. He gave him this multicolored tunic or multicolored coat, and his brothers really uh, uh, hated him for that because he was you know a lot younger than them, and you know there was uh, problems in the family. And so number two, uh, favoritism caused problems in the family. We talked about that, and I think that's kind of timeless truth. Uh, uh, that can still be the issue uh, to this day. So um, Joseph had these uh, dreams about his future greatness. And if you remember, he had a couple of them and uh, uh, two occasions we know for sure. And he told his family about the dreams. And and uh, basically it was that first dream was that his brothers would all bow down to him. And then the second dream is his father and mother and his brothers would all bow down to him. And, and so uh, his brothers really, that really ticked his brothers off. And, and then number three, Joseph's brothers uh, envied him and sold him into slavery. And we talked about envy last week. Not a good thing. Uh, uh, so, um, so that's kind of where we left off uh, very briefly in chapter 37. And so... Uh, we skip to 39 now to continue the story. So we're going to be at uh, Genesis 39, uh, uh, verse 1. And I, I say this all the time. I know, probably sound like a broken record, but uh, I know that we have these sheets, and you can fill in the sheets, but chances are you're going to lose those sheets. I really encourage you, if you're going to take notes, take notes in your Bible. Just write notes in your Bible, and then uh, at a later date when you're reading, you go back, and it'll refresh your memory. And the best part's when you fill your whole Bible up with notes, uh, you can get a new Bible, and you can copy all the notes from your old Bible into your new Bible and have just tons of fun. So, plus it's proven that uh, if you write something, especially in a scenario like this, if you put a pen to uh, paper and you write something, you're chances of remembering it or go up exponentially. So it's a, it's a good thing to do. Uh, so Genesis 39, uh, verse 1, it said, uh, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. So remember his brothers, uh, they sold him into slavery. And so now uh, he'd been taken into Egypt. And uh, basically this is the beginning of the history of the Jews while they're in uh, Egypt. They, they they have a fairly long uh, stay there. Eventually, uh, uh, when when Joseph arrived, though, uh, it was a thriving civilization. If you remember from your I don't know uh, junior high history class or whenever you took world history, 
and they talked about the Egyptians. You know, it was uh, they had the pyramids were already there when he arrived. Uh, they figured out a system of irrigation to where when the Nile would flood, it would overflow, it would go into these channels, and they would save water off. And so it put them in a place where they had uh, plenty of water for for crops and cattle. Uh, it, it was. I guess say from where Joseph was coming from, he's basically a nomadic herder, and he comes into Egypt. It's oh, it's just unbelievable. It's kind of like me when I came from Michigan, when I joined the Navy, and I ended up in L.A. and I'd never seen freeways with six lanes going one direction. You know, it's kind of the same sort of thing. And so he's he's in a uh, a big, huge. Uh, metropolis now compared to what he's used to and uh they had uh in in terms of religion they had like 2000 at least 2000 gods and goddesses uh even even the pharaoh was considered a god um uh, if you're familiar with the plagues that uh Moses was involved with uh um, those plagues were actually uh directed at some of these gods uh in Egypt so uh they they did have a special emphasis on the god uh, Osiris, and he was the god of the afterlife. So I'd explain like the pyramids were big giant tombs, and so they had they were kind of a, they were experts in embalming. Uh, they were the ones that figured out a 365 and one quarter day calendar. So they were a fairly advanced uh, uh, civilization. So his brother sold him into slavery there, right? And when they sold him to slavery, they probably expected that he was going to be involved in one of these back-breaking construction jobs that they had. They were great builders. They were building stuff all the time. And so, uh, it, you know, it was life was hard, and uh, life expectancy doing that type of work was relatively short. But that's not what happened to Joseph. Uh, So I'm going to start at verse 1 again, and we'll continue on. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, uh, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Uh, So instead of the hard labor associated with, you know, the construction work, uh, Joseph kind of lands a job as a servant of this high government official, right? probably in charge of the prison system. And remember last year he was in the guards, literally executioners. So uh, in verse 2, uh, the, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So the, this phrase here, the Lord was with Joseph, we're going to see that phrase a few different times tonight. And I think it's uh, not by mistake or... Whatever. So number four, uh, filling in the blanks, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. So the Potiphar, we don't know uh, which one of these, you know, 2,000 gods that that he worshipped, but we do know that, that uh, Joseph was a witness uh, to Potiphar. He had an impact on him. And in verse 3, it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. 
So there was something about Joseph that uh, Potiphar recognized, and he realized that the Lord was with him. Remember, I said we're going to hear that. We kind of hear that over and over in here. And, and he realized that the reason that Joseph was the way he was and the way he, the reason he prospered is because the God of Joseph. Okay. So number five, and the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So, um, trying to catch the essence of how Joseph was. And in Psalm 1, if you want to turn to Psalm 1, it's a very, uh, it's a nice psalm. Uh, but it really kind of uh, catches the essence of of uh, Joseph, the type of guy that Joseph was. It says, starting at verse 1, Psalm 1, it says, blessed or blessed, which is actually happy. Okay, if you want to, plug in a, like a word that we're familiar with today. It just means happy. So happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Okay? So I think this is a good description of, uh, I mean, obviously the law hadn't come out yet, but the idea of where Joseph's heart was, it was, his heart was with God. And, you know, he was like a tree planted by the rivers of the water. And so we know the trees that are planted by the river, they have deep roots, they're very strong, you know. And so this is kind of a picture, and we're going to see this picture of him develop uh, as we go through. So in verse 6, Joseph was a witness for the God of Israel. So just Joseph, by the way he acted and uh, conducted himself, he was a witness for the God of Israel. So um, continuing on, I think uh, we're in verse 4. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had was put under his authority. So he had a big impact. You know, Joseph, who he was, uh, Potiphar says, you know what, I'm going to put this guy in charge of uh, everything. So it was, uh, verse 5, so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. So uh, Joseph was basically elevated to a position where he's in charge of everything, everything that Potiphar had. Now Potiphar's a he's a high official. I mean, you can imagine he's like, Maybe he worked at the Pentagon or something, who knows. But, uh, you know, so he's a busy guy. He's probably got a ton of people working for him, lots of things on his mind. And so what Joseph was is Joseph took care took care of everything associated with his personal life. And what he's saying here is everything was taken care of for him. And the only thing he had to worry about is basically coming home, sitting down, and eating dinner. 
Joseph took care of everything else, okay? So, uh, Jesus in Matthew uh, 25, 21, if you want to turn, I'll kind of explain what's happening. But uh, it's the parable of the talents and and explains how things work in God's economy. So we're not going to read the whole parable, but I'll explain to you how everything leading up to 25, 21. It's a 20. Yeah, we're going to Matthew 25, verse 21. And so what's happening, the master is going on a trip here and he's got three servants. He gives each of the servants some money to take care of for him when he leaves. And so, and it's kind of interesting that he doesn't give them all the same amount. He, what he does is he gives them according to their ability. Okay. So I think one guy, he gives five, another guy gives two, another guy, he gives one. And, uh, and he comes back and two of the servants, uh, the ones with five and two, they've taken the money and they've actually doubled his money for him. And, uh, the third servant had kind of, I think he buried it in the ground. And so he, Basically, when he came back, he, he literally just gave the guy back what he had given him. And so when they report to the master, um, the two that have doubled his money, what he says to them, and this is his reply in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one. It says, his Lord said to him, and he says the same thing to both guys, the guy that he gave five to and the guy that he gave two to. Uh, he, he says the same thing to both of them. Uh, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So, uh, and number seven, the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph followed God's recipe for success. So according to the parable that Jesus talks about, God says, okay, I'm going to give you a little stuff here. You take care of the small stuff and I'm going to give you more. Okay. And that's the kind of way it works. Uh, Even, uh, you know, take this, take it out of the church realm and you put it into the working world. Uh, If you go out and you work and you take care of the little stuff, you know, and you're diligent to do that, then people are going to notice, and the next thing you know, you're getting more responsibility, and then now you're taking care of more stuff. And as you continue to do that, then you're lifted up within whatever organization you're in. And this is exactly what happened to Joseph in Potiphar's house. Okay? So, uh, uh, if you want to read the complete parable, I think I put it in your notes there. It's actually 25 uh, verses 13 through 30. So if you think back to his his uh, father, Jacob, okay, and number eight, remember when Jacob was with Laban, right? Laban was totally blessed by his herds. Everything increased, all right? So number eight, just as Laban was blessed by Jacob's presence, Potiphar is blessed by Joseph's presence. So, so we're going to we're going to go back and we're in Genesis chapter 39 verse 6. And uh thus he left all he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know 
what he had except for the bread which he ate. So we've talked about that. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So the story's starting to change. It's going to change here. So it says uh, Joseph, he was a hard worker. We know he's a hard worker. And he was also good looking. So for the ladies out there, he was the, the complete package. Right? So verse 7, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. So Potiphar's wife starts to flirt with uh, Joseph. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all he has to my hand. There is no one greater in his house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So the first thing he does is Joseph, when he responds to uh, his master's wife, he says he's, he responds negatively to advances, mainly for reasons of loyalty to his boss. Uh, he's basically saying, you know, I can't, I can't do all this. You know, your, your husband's given me all this. You know, he's put me in charge of everything. I just can't do that. But uh, the ultimate reason is that he would be sinning against God. Uh, you know, even though the seventh commandment had not been written yet, uh, had he agreed to her advances, uh, it it definitely would have come into play, and so. Um, or would have applied. So if you're rusty on your Ten Commandments, I wrote the chapters down there uh, on in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. That's You can find them in both places. You know they're twice there, right? Because anytime you get something twice, I mean, I was a teacher. If it's on the test, I'm going to say it at least twice, right? So ding, 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 ding. Maybe we need to read the Ten Commandments. They're in there twice, Anyway, uh, uh, number nine, uh, Joseph's actions in taking care of his master's house and resisting his master's wife demonstrated he was a man of integrity. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about integrity tonight. And uh, you don't hear that word a whole lot, just in casual conversation. Uh, it's not really, it doesn't pop up in the news uh, But uh, the Bible has stuff to say about it. Uh, Number 10, uh, Job was also a man of integrity. So we're going to look a little bit here at Job. Uh, uh, So if you want to turn to the book of Job, uh, Job, the book of Job, it's uh, starting, we're going to start right at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. So at verse 1 it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Uh, Feared God doesn't necessarily mean he was afraid of God, although that's that's part of it. But he had great reverence for God. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Uh, Also his possessions were... 7,000 sheep. This guy has got bucks, okay? 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 
500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So he had a bunch of people working for him. So that this man was the greatest of all the peoples of the east. So he probably lived in uh, northern uh, Arabia, where we know of uh, Saudi Arabia is right now in that area of the world. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send an invite uh, their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So he's got these seven sons, and it sounds like it was a pretty close family, and it sounded like they had a potluck, kind of like on a rotating basis, and the brothers always made sure that the sisters were invited. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So Job was constantly making offerings to God. He was praying for his kids, and he was worried that maybe his kids weren't, you know, like right on with God. So uh, he's praying for them. So starting in verse 6, the scene shifts into heaven now. So we got a little background on Job. We know Job's got a lot of stuff, okay? And we know that he prays for his kids. He's a, he's a godly man. He is. So verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, which is another way of saying angels, uh, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, uh, Where do you come from? So it's kind of interesting because it has Satan, but literally it's the accuser or the adversary. And right now, the way it's written in the original language, it's not necessarily who we would know as Satan. Uh, But Satan as a proper name really doesn't come into play until uh, Chronicles. Not to say that this isn't the Satan here, but literally... It's the same word that transfers to Satan, but up until this, at this point in time, he hasn't been identified as the, the one, right? He says, uh, from, he's saying, the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? So Satan answered the Lord, uh, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there are none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and shuns evil. So, you know, he said, God and Satan are this adversary. They're having this conversation. He's where you've been. Well, I've been going back and forth on the earth. He's saying, check it out. Have you noticed this guy, Job, right? My servant. He's, he's blameless, upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. He's saying, Job has got it going on. So obviously Satan had probably noticed Job. And what his reply is in verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, does Job hold God in the highest respect for nothing? He says, "You Have have you not made a hedge around him or a hedge of protection around him? We always pray for a hedge of protection. This is what he's talking about here. Around him, around his household, and around all that that he has on every side. You have blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. 
only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So God's kind of made his testimony for Job. Hey, Job is an upright guy. Satan says, nah, no way. The only reason he, that he likes you is because, you know, you've blessed him. He's got all this stuff. So God says, hey, go ahead. Do what you want to do. But what is it? Uh, you can't lay a hand on him. You can't, you can't kill him, basically. You can't harm him. So Satan goes out of the presence of the Lord. So now we're, verse 13, now we're back on the earth. It says, now there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Remember, it talked about how they would get together. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. Then the Sabaeans, these are nomadic uh, herders that were just kind of passing through, raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Okay, verse 16. While he was still speaking, this last guy, right? Another also came in. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, you ever been in a situation like this? Things are going bad, and they just keep piling on. They're piling on. That's what's going on with uh, with Job here. Verse 17, and while he, the last guy, was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands. And Chaldeans, they were at another nomadic tribe going through, uh, formed three bands and raised his camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. It keeps coming. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. It fell on, on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So at this point, everything, everything material that Job had was squished like a bug. Okay? So let's see what he does. Verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. So we know we, from last week, we kind of talked about this. It was a, when they would, back in the day in this culture, when they tore the robe, it was a way of saying, I'm just tore up. My, I'm grieving to the max. And go, by the way, uh, Job actually lived in the same time frame as uh, uh, probably Isaac and Jacob, somewhere in there. So it's they're almost a contemporary uh, with Joseph. So verse 20, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Okay? So the guy's lost everything, and he's basically, he's still God's man. I've talked about this before, I don't know if this group or not, but when you're in the middle of stuff, you know, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, 
God's not going to give you anything that you can't handle. So when you get into the middle of stuff where it's just one thing after another, one thing after another, if you can have the presence of mind to think about Job, and what was the the conversation in heaven before all this bad stuff started happening with Job, God was saying, me and Job, we're just like that, okay? We're just like that. And so when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to think, oh, yeah, you know, me and God, we're just like that. Now, James says, count it pure joy, right? So anyway, verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1, we're back in heaven now. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Hey, have you considered my servant Job, that that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Sounds like the exact same conversation, a little different now. He says, and he still holds fast to his what? Integrity. Okay? He still holds fast to his integrity, all that you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So number 11, God. God testifies to Job's integrity. Oh, Father, I just pray that you would be able to testify to our integrity, Lord. So verse 4, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, All that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you and your face. You know, Satan keeps saying that. He will surely curse you and your face. He said that before, too, two times. So it's like, oh, what's going on here? Just remember that. Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Verse 7, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, in my life, I've had a boil, one boil. Brutal, just one. He's got them from the bottom of his feet. His whole body is covered with them. If you've had a, ever had a boil, then you, that's the only way you can really relate to this. It's just the worst, the most painful thing. And uh, and they, they hurt and they itch at the same time. Okay? So, verse 7. So, Satan went out of the presence of the Lord and he struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. So a potsherd, if you can imagine a clay flower pot, if you break that, it's going to have a sharp edge on it. So he's scraping his body with that, okay, to get the gunk and the itch. It's just, oh, his whole body is covered with it. He says, he says, which is scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. This is another way of saying that they had a town dump 
And so he went to the dump. That's He was at the dump and all the things that would be at the dump. Just let your imagination run wild and you're there. So he's in the midst of ashes. He's scraping the stuff off of thing. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your what? Integrity. Curse God and die. Remember, Satan the whole time is saying, Job's going to do this. He's going to curse you. He's going to curse you. What happens? Job doesn't do it, but his wife is encouraging him to do it. So it's another thing. So when you're in the middle of stuff, okay, if this happens to Job, do you think it could happen to you that people are going to come in and make it worse? It's only the beginning for Job here, okay? So, but he said to her, uh, verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish, as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Okay? So we're talking about integrity, right? So let's go back. We're going to drop back into the story of Joseph now. So we're at verse 10 in chapter 39 of Genesis. So we're going to go back. So we got this little idea of what, I guess in God's economy, what integrity is, right? I mean, we saw what Job went through. And he went through a lot of stuff. But his attitude towards God, he was consistent in good times. Remember in the beginning, he's praying for his kids. You know, he's praising God. He gets into the bad times and he doesn't change. Okay, that's Job. And trust me, when I say this is just the beginning for Job, we're gonna we're dropping it here. But if you read the rest of it, now his friends come in. Uh, just you have to read it, uh, the, because I think the real agony comes in. You know, Job questions God, and, you know, but it's uh, it's an interesting read. So back in Genesis verse ten, it says, "So it was." We're talking about Potiphar's wife now. So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day. That, that he did not heed her uh, to lie with her, to be with her. So Potiphar's wife, she persisted. She kept pursuing Joseph day after day, right? But Joseph doesn't give in. It's kind of similar to what was going on with Job, right? But it's in a little different realm here. But it's Potiphar's wife. She's kind of taking the place of Satan here. So verse 12, Potiphar's wife tested Joseph's integrity. Verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men uh, and none of the men of the house was inside. That she caught him in his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. It's almost like uh, there was nobody in the house, Potiphar's wife and Joseph. And so she grabs a hold of him. And so he's, she's got a hold of his coat or whatever he's wearing and he slips out, and she's basically left standing there with his uh, tunic or whatever it was he had. It says, you know, so verse 13, And so it was when she saw this, that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought, us, he has brought in us a Hebrew to mock us. 
So that to mock us really here in this context is actually a, like a racial slur. Uh, the Egyptians, uh, normally the Egyptians wouldn't even sit down and eat with uh, somebody from the Semitic tribes of Canaan. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. And we'll read it uh, later and uh, we get farther into the story. It actually talks about this. Uh, so it was kind of a racial thing. So, and she's also like, kind of sounds like her and her husband weren't getting along out well either. So she blames uh, Potiphar for allowing this to really come into the house. So it's kind of a tense situation in the house. So, and then she, uh, he, following on, she says, he came to me to lie with me. This is, she's talking to the other servants now. And he cried out in a loud voice and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and he fled and went outside. So she's lying, right? And she's going to continue to lie when her husband gets home. So verse 16, so she kept his garment uh, with her until her master came home. And then she spoke to him with words like this saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came to me to mock me. And so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment uh, with me and fled outside in verse 19. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife, which his wife spoke to him, uh, saying, your servant uh, did to me after all this manner, that his anger was aroused. So he's mad, rightfully so. Then verse 20, then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined and and he was there in the prison. So verse thirteen sometime integrity sometimes integrity comes with a price. Actually the fact that Joseph only got in prison is probably pretty remarkable. Um uh the accusations that Potiphar's wife um, made uh I mean, he was, you know, captain of the executioner. So it would have been completely within his uh, purview to, you know, just execute him. There may have been something in the back of his mind thinking, eh, maybe his, him and his wife weren't getting along that well. He thought, maybe it wouldn't be pastor to do this. I got to do something, so I put him in prison. Okay? So, uh, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, remember? We keep getting that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So number 14, God honors integrity. Uh, Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So even in a even in a bad situation, I mean, like, I mean, you're in prison. I mean, it would be like, and you're in prison for something you didn't do. So it'd be very easy to have a bad attitude at that point and just, you know, forget this stuff. But that's not what happens. Even in this situation, Joseph rises to to the top. 
Okay, remember the Lord was with him, right? So that's the end of Genesis 39. And, uh, and I think we can see that Joseph, like Job, was a man of integrity. In other words, even when things went bad, he, his, his relationship with God, the way he dealt with things, stayed consistent. So it wasn't like uh, like a, it's easy to be a Christian on Sundays when you're at church. It's another thing when you go to work. Okay, uh, you know, you see what I'm saying, and that's just one simple little thing. But it can operate in in all areas of your life. Uh, he was consistent. Um, we've read several times that the Lord was with Joseph, right? The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. But I think it's safe to say that Joseph was with the Lord. And we're going to see this. We're going to see it later on. Next chapter, he has these dreams. The whole time in Joseph's life, we're going to see him give glory to God. And... um, and I say that it's safe to say that Joseph was with the Lord. In James 4, James 4, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So, it's all about integrity. There's one more verse. And really the one one other verse that we got is Colossians 3. Uh, 22 through 24. So it says, Bondservants, obey all things uh, your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So bond servants, actually very similar to uh, anybody that has a job right now. Uh, that's what a bond servant was. Uh, actually, bond servants probably had it better than the some of the most of the free men back in the culture because the free guys they would be peasants working out in the fields or being shepherds, where the bond servants were guys that were working for somebody. I think Luke was probably a, a bond servant where he actually. Uh, made a wage and it was for a set amount of time and you know at the end of that time you would be free or you could even earn money buy your way out of it and so he's saying obey your masters according to the flesh not with eye service right in other words just don't do it when the boss is around but you know all the time you know as men pleasers or in other words just so everybody can see it but in the sincerity of the heart fearing god and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. So that's a unique thing. If you go to work and you're working and maybe your boss isn't the greatest guy, but if you're there working for God, okay, it's a whole other ball game. And then it's almost guaranteed that at some point you will experience the same things that Joseph experienced in his, you know, in his personal life says, do it hardly as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. 
So let's pray. Father, we just pray that just through the power of your spirit, Lord, that uh, from the things that we learn tonight, that or that we become uh, just men and women of integrity. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.